Friends, as we also turn our attention uh, to the scriptures today, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And even though it's Hebrews, that is a New Testament book. And so if you're looking in your pew Bible, it should be like page 1033 is Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to be studying the book of Hebrews over the next few months, um, sometimes a whole chapter at a time, as in the case of today. Sometimes we'll break them up a little bit. Hebrews is one of those books um, that often gets a few spots of it preached on and quoted a lot, and a lot goes missing. Hebrews 4.12 was one of my memory verses as a kid that I remember really well. Hebrews 11, the chapter on faith, is a solid and familiar, well-known passage. And yet, sometimes we skip some of the other parts of the book, and we miss out on what God can teach us through these earlier chapters. So I invite you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. Today we'll read the first chapter and kind of get a, get a, get a flavor for this book as we go through it over the next few months. And as we do so, um, as we open this new book to us for this series, as we ask God to speak fresh into us, whether we've read Hebrews 1 a dozen times or if we're not sure if we've ever read this chapter, we ask God all the same to make the scriptures alive to us to speak to our hearts. So will you take a moment to pray with me? Father, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our single and primary concern. Speak to us through your word, for we, your servants, listen for your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits 
sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So on Friday, having been back from General Synod for just a little while, um, Jake and I got to uh, really spend a day of labor-intensive ministry and worked really hard um, by bringing some of our high school students to Michigan's Adventure for a day of rides. Ah, the things we do for the church, Jake. And uh, I, I will admit, I'm, I'm starting to realize uh, that I might need to take Dramamine next time I go to an amusement park, um, as eventually you just feel like your brains are getting rattled out of your skull. Um, and yet there's that certain thrill of a roller coaster, um, of going up higher and higher and higher, and uh, hearing Dane Gemmon say, wow, what a great view of the park you have from here. Um, seeing um, many of our youth being more bold than me, I can't raise my hands up. It just freaks me out. I know that there's plenty of space, but when you go under something, I'm like, I'm tall, I've got long arms, I'm gonna lose an arm, like I just can't do it. I hold on and I laugh, and there is just a thrill of it. Although every time I'm going up, I do wonder, especially on older wooden roller coasters, I'm like, what are the odds that today is the day something will go horribly wrong? There's a little bit of a thrill in that as well. But there's a, a, a joy to it, there's an adrenaline rush, and then when you get back, when you get brought to a screeching halt, it's like, oh, that was great, it's all over with. And now Michigan's Adventure, nice park. Um, I've never been to Cedar Point, because we always, growing up in Indiana, we always went to Six Flags Great America, also good roller coasters. And yet, roller coasters throughout the world, there's a competition to it. Even though there's plenty, even at a Michigan's Adventure Park, there's always this growing edge. Somebody's got to set the new record for the roller coaster that's the highest in the world, or the fastest in the world, or the greatest inverse drop in the world. There's an ongoing competition to which roller coaster will be superior. And these modern marvels of engineering should be appreciated for the thrill and joy that they bring. And yet, roller coasters can only do so much. If you think about the speed of a roller coaster or the height, they can compete with each other in their league, but there's no comparison to, say, an airplane. If you ride in a jet, you are going to go higher and faster than any roller coaster in the world. Hopefully, in the jet, you won't end up going upside down. That should be roller coasters only. But still, airplanes are superior to roller coasters if you look at the statistics of height and speed and everything else and distance traveled. Now, that's nothing against roller coasters. They're still great, they're still fun, and they can compete with each other in their own league and be appreciated for what they are. But altitude and speed an airplane, a jet, will always be superior in a category of its own. In the same way, although this wasn't an that's not an analogy from the book of Hebrews, as a book, Hebrews will bring us in the same way to know that Christ is superior. Christ is superior to all of these good things that matter. In the first chapter, we hear about the angels, that Christ is superior to the angels. As we go through this book, we'll hear that Christ is superior to the law, not that the law was bad, but that Christ is superior to the law, that Christ is so far above in terms of value that does not diminish the law, but elevates our understanding of who Christ is. 
Christ is above all and, in fact, holds all things together. That the prophets and their witness mattered greatly. That Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah, all of their work and witness mattered greatly. And yet Christ is superior to all of them. And so God certainly spoke to God's people through the prophets, through different signs in various ways. And yet in the last days, we're told in verse 2, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir to all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus is superior in a way that does not diminish anything that came before, but that in Christ we find fulfillment. And so today we simply focus on that theme, on Christ being superior, knowing that we'll find other examples throughout the book. And really, this book of Hebrews, though it's a letter, it reads a lot like a sermon. And it starts with this challenge to look up to Jesus, that the Son, Jesus Christ, verse 3, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, knowing that Jesus, through him, the universe has been created and sustained, that this is a superior majesty that we find in Christ. And this should bring us to some reverence to who Christ is. And it should give us a sense of awe that we are in communion with Christ, who is superior to all the created things that we could see. And to know what a gift it is that we're on a first name basis with the exact representation of God's being, of his radiance. That Jesus and us are on a first-name basis, even though he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is superior to all things. It's not ever diminishing towards the Old Testament, as in fact, this book was written to, well, maybe some people like us, or at least to people similar to our day and age. There were some probably in this time when this letter was written who knew the Old Testament really well and were maybe pulling back a little bit from Jesus, going back to what they knew because that was familiar and safe and comfortable. And so they were pulling back from Jesus, maybe going back to the law. Still others were leaving the faith altogether. And some of that was because of hardship that they hadn't found what they were hoping to find in Jesus. So they're admonished to keep meeting together, to keep building one another up, as we heard in our confession in Ephesians. This letter probably had some skeptics hearing it for the first time, or those who weren't sure what the place of all of this was, if they should just leave the Old Testament behind because that doesn't matter, or if they should just go back to the Old Testament because it's what they knew. And yet we see in Christ all things being held together as Hebrews unfolds to say, all of this stuff matters. Angels are amazing, yet Christ is superior. The law of God still matters, yet Christ is superior. The prophets spoke truth to God's people, and yet Christ is superior, holding all things together in a non-diminishing way. And to know that there's some of these things that would be a point of fascination Angels are a fascinating topic to learn more about. And we get lots about the angels, even in this first chapter in Hebrews, and yet to know that Christ is superior. 
One of my joys in life is to hear people talk about the topics that they love the most, their areas of passion and expertise, which I think are often linked to the gifts that God has given them. But you get somebody going on a topic that they love, and I find it fascinating, the things that they know, the things that they've learned. It's a delight to hear these things. And so I want to hold something in tension as we go forward. You all have topics that you're passionate about, that you know a lot about. Maybe it's part of your occupation, maybe it's a hobby. Either way, you have your topics of fascination. Hebrews, as a book, does not tell us to pretend that we're not interested in anything else, that we can only be interested in God all the time ever, that the Bible is the only book we should ever read. It should be a primary book that we read, and yet we're going to have lots of expertise in our lives. What the book of Hebrews pushes us to know is that of all the things that we can care about and learn about and love, that Christ is superior to all of them. That when you are using your gifts, when you're celebrating the abilities that God has given you, well, God smiles at that. It brings God some delight and joy. And yet Christ smiles as superior over all things. The exact representation of God's being smiles on us. So don't turn away from the things that you're fascinated by or pretend that you don't have areas of expertise. But also don't forget to lend some of your fascination and the thirst for knowledge and passion that you have. Don't forget to lend some of that fascination towards Jesus. To not forget that Christ is superior over all things to not get caught up wondering about what the fastest roller coaster is and forget that a jet will always be faster. All of the things that matter still matter, and yet the crowning of it all is to know Christ. Hebrews is the better things that we're made for, not the things that we need to be against or even pretend to be against. As too often, Christianity is caricatured and even ridiculed because it's known for all of the things that it is against. And that becomes its reputation. And unfortunately, as fewer and fewer people are in churches today, we will not be known for what we are for. Only a stereotype of what Christians are against. And this does not bring people closer to the church or to Christ. Rather, Hebrews might be one of the best wake-up call letters to remind us that we need to pay attention to what we are for and to keep the things that we are for as the things that matter the most. And that as a Christian, the thing that you should be for the most, the thing that should be the most radical about you is that you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that of all of the things that we can be against, let's not lose sight of what we are for, and we are for resurrection. We are for knowing and believing and understanding that Christ rose from the dead. We are for the forgiveness of sins. We are for the promise of salvation and the assurance of eternal life. We are for people knowing God. And Hebrews reminds us that we know the fullness of God through knowing Jesus Christ, his son who lived and died and rose again for us. And so to be careful to not set ourselves up of only what we are against. Hebrews chapter one is not against the angels, it's for the angels, but even more to the superior Christ. Well, 
I'm going to give Lloyd the floor time in a minute for General Sinan, but one thing that stood out to me, a joy, uh, was missionaries of ours, Peter and Patty Ford, who have retired from the mission field, got to give one of the reports at General Synod. And North Holland has supported Peter and Patty Ford for decades of their ministry and now continues to support their son, David. And one of the things that I get to run into Peter and Patty at, uh, in the dining hall, and they've spent their lives in Christian-Muslim relations, interfaith conversations, and one of the things in their own gentle way that Peter and Patty reminded me of this week is that you don't bring people closer to God by being against them, but by reminding them and showing them that you are for them and you are for Jesus and that you believe in a Jesus that is also for them. That Peter and Patty were a gentle reminder that throughout the world, we're always going to know people by what they're against and that the witness of the church is to witness to Christ being for all people as an invitation. That our radical for the resurrection of Christ as the center belief in our lives is what we are for. And that adds all the other things that we can be for as well. That if we lead with what we are against, we probably will not be catching very many fish to think this Christ who is for us and for our salvation, we're on a first name basis with Jesus, with the exact representation of God's being. The one who sustains all things by his powerful word, knows us by name, and longs to talk to us in prayer. That we are people who are for prayer. Angels are still really cool, but they're servants. They are below Christ, who is superior, of the Lord, our Jesus Christ, who is superior to the angels, who forgives our sins, and who sits at the right hand of God the Father, that the angels are ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation. And this is all to those who have knowledge and understanding and connection to the superior Christ. And so, friends, as you go into this week, don't forget to have passionate conversations about the things that you know a lot about, about the things that you're knowledgeable and that you've enjoyed, whether occupation or hobby. And don't forget that to lend some of that interest and energy to Christ who is superior. You know all kinds of species of flowers and can green thumb any garden? That is great. Lend some of that fascination also to the superior Christ who in John 20 was mistaken for the gardener as a throwback to early Genesis when God dwelt with humanity in the garden. You know how to build almost anything with your hands, whether a master woodworker or a great craftsman. You can lend all kinds of expertise to a mission action trip. That is amazing. Share your gifts. And that's great, and as your gifts are used, remember Christ superior the Son of God and Son of Man, whose earthly father was a carpenter, someone who worked with his hands. Some of you know all kinds of makes and mod models of vehicles, whether classic or modern, fresh off the line or antique. You know the name and the, and the statistics and the horsepower and torque. That is great and impressive. Keep gaining that knowledge and devote some of that fascinating horsepower of your mind to the scriptures 
which will bring us further and faster than any earthly vehicle can. Maybe you know all things about martial arts and you can use your hands and feet as weapons and you got to learn all kinds of other cool edged weaponry along the way. Remember that in Hebrews 4, we'll be reminded to cherish the word of God, which is sharper than any double-edged sword. I know some of you, as we get into summertime, baseball season, you know all statistics of baseball, or maybe it's a different sport. But as we get into this season, you know things about the different players throughout the years, about the stadiums, about all kinds of things. Batting averages, great. Continue to love those things. And remember that 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present and the future life to come. Friends, be fascinated by the topics that you love and make sure that that fascination points you back to God for the gift of your mind or that it's a connect point for someone who shares the same fascination with you, but that ultimately your greatest fascination in life is with superior Christ, who is Lord of all creation, that your greatest love and interest is in knowing Jesus to be at the center of your life. Be fascinated with all of these other things for they can be all good in their proper place, but be most fascinated with the mystery of the resurrection, that Christ died for us and rose again and is superior to all things. Love the things you love. Use them, connect with people who share the same. And may, in your own heart and upon your own lips, may your greatest love and passion be the author of love, Christ Superior, who is both our Lord and King and our friend and companion. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks, for you are superior to all things. And in your love, which is superior to all loves, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And that you sent him into the world, not because you were against us, but because you were for us. And the sins which would be held, held back, held against us, could be crucified with Christ, dead and buried. Lord, we thank you that you are for us. Help us to know that you are superior and help us to live that we are for you. In your holy name we pray, O Christ. Amen.